So before we um, chanted the Dhammachaka Vilatana Sutta, and in that sutta it uh, says that all dharmas, all things, they arise from causes. And uh, dukkha, suffering, is one of those things that it arises, depend on causes. And um, and so suffering is like this, that it has to have a cause in order for it to arise. It doesn't just arise from thin air. It has to have something there that's creating it. And what creates it, what causes it, is the three kinds of craving. And that's what brings about suffering. And so whether a Buddha arises in the world, or whether there's no Buddha who comes into the world, nature is always as it is. You know, truth is always here. And so the Buddha, he found the cause for suffering. He found um, that, that indeed suffering does arise from a cause. And that if those causes cease, then the suffering itself ceases. The cause is being craving. And so in order for us to realize this ourselves, we all have to walk the path, the, the maga of sila, samadhi, panya, of uh, morality or virtue, uh, concentration and wisdom. And when we do this, we'll come to see that there is nothing which we can grasp at as a self. <clears throat> but if we have craving there in our minds and we're attached to that, then we'll just uh, breed ignorance and see things as a self. And this will be a cause for suffering to rise within us. If we can abandon self, these ideas of self through wisdom, then um, our samadhi, our firmness of mind, will become uh, very firm. If, if our samadhi isn't firm, um, then we won't be able to see clearly uh, into these things. Uh, our wisdom won't, won't be so clear. And so even if we see people who are old, people who are sick, and dead people, and we've all seen these things before, you know, it's not a cause for wisdom to arise. Because we just see them with our physical eyes. We don't see them through wisdom. And so when these things arise, then people often get scared of them. Just, just like a small child. They just get, if, if there's someone lying there and they're cold and they're not moving, then the child gets afraid. It's not a cause for wisdom to arise. We get afraid that we'll have to be like that as well. And so, we, you know, we can just, people without wisdom like this, who, who see things just with the physical eye, they're just like little kids. You know, they're, they're clueless in this way. And there's no wisdom that, that comes out from that. But if we see things with our inner eye, with the eye of our minds, we see things through knowledge, then we'll be able to see clearly. So it's like the Buddha, or before we became the Buddha, uh, the Prince Siddhartha. He saw these things. He saw an old person, a sick person, and a dead person. But he saw them through jnana, or through knowledge. And there was great suffering that arose within him when he saw these things, because he knew that he would have to be like that as well. Even though at the time that he, he saw these things, he was strong, he was young. When he saw them, he knew that he would have to grow sick. He knew he'd have to get old. He knew he would have to die. And so this is what compelled him, what pushed him out of the palace, uh, to find a way. But he had to find that way by himself. He knew that he had to find such a Dhamma, you know, the, the real truth. Something that doesn't change. 
Because he saw that if whatever arises, it has to change. And if it changes, then it has to grow old, it has to get sick, it has to die. He saw the devas are the same, the Brahma gods, they're all the same. They have to get old, they have to die as well. And he couldn't see any beginning to it. You know, he was asking what our first birth was, when was it that we were first born, and when will our last birth be? And there's just no end to it on the cycle. But for us all here, we, we understand well enough the path of sila, samadhi, and panya. And so understanding it now, we should try and put it into practice. We all have minds that have faith, but we still shouldn't be heedless within this life. Because with every day, with every passing moment, then time fades away. It drops by all the time. But if we are careful and we have mindfulness and um, peer comprehension with us in the present moment, then we'll come to know, we'll come to understand, we'll come to have wisdom. And the important thing there is the practice. You know, we really need to put these things into practice in order for this wisdom to come about. And so we try and have mindfulness all the time, whether we're standing, we're sitting, we're sitting, we're walking, lying down whether we're eating or drinking, whether we're speaking with people, whether we're just being still, sitting still. We need to have mindfulness there all the time, knowing what it is that we're doing now in the present moment. Whenever we have mindfulness, then we come closer to the Buddha in that moment. But if what, what we're experiencing, it's not clear within our minds, then we can bring up the, the Parikama, the meditation word of Buddha, so it's like now with everyone listening to the Dhamma. But if you're listening and thinking a lot as well, your thoughts are going out all over the place, um, then just try paying attention to your breath and paying attention to Buddha. You don't have to pay attention to the Dhamma talk. You may not hear anything that I'm saying, but the mind will be still. It'll just perceive arising and ceasing arising and ceasing of the sounds. And if that happens, then, then don't worry about it. You know, if you're not really understanding anything I'm saying, you're just perceiving the sounds arising and ceasing, don't worry. Because if our minds are very firm, if, they have, uh, if, if, if they're well established, then they'll be able to perceive this arising and ceasing clearly. And maybe when the Dharma talk is finished, you won't even know what was said, you won't know anything about it. But really, that's not true, because what you do know is arising and ceasing. The Dharma talk, it's just, um, it's just sanya, it's just um, perception or memory. When it's finished, it's, it's just a memory there in your mind. But if you can perceive arising and ceasing while the Dharma talk is going on, the sounds coming up and then, and then fading, then this is called wisdom, this is called knowledge. So the important thing for us all is to train our minds. Because if we don't train our minds, then they'll just be thinking all the time. They won't stop. And they'll just keep following after all the moods and emotions, all the objects that arise in our mind. If there's a mood of um, greed, then the mind will just run after that mood. If there's a mood of anger, it'll run after that. 
If there's a mood of delusion, I'd run after that. So a method that we can use for to keep our mindfulness here and an object of mindfulness is to think of all the good things and the skillful things that we've done. If our mind won't stay with the breath, then we can think. We can use the, the thoughts that are coming up and direct them towards the goodness that we've done. Because all of us here, we're, we're devoted to this path, this path of dana, uh, sila, bhavana, of um, generosity, of morality, and of uh, meditation, developing our hearts. And so it's natural for us that we give away, we give things away. And this is the quality of someone who will be able to see the Dhamma and understand the Dhamma. So bringing our minds to the recollection of the things that we've given away is called Jakanusati. And this Jakanusati, if we do it, then it'll make the mind, our hearts full. We can see that we benefit ourselves and we benefit other people in the world through the things that we've given away. When we do this, then the heart becomes full and, this, and the things that we've given away, it turns into the wealth of a noble one because it's a wealth that arises within our hearts. When we can give rise to this wealth all the time, then we can say that our chakra uh, barami, this barami of uh, giving things away, becomes full. We don't uh, have much greed within our hearts. And we don't want the things of others. If we have a lot of things ourselves, then we share them, we give them away, because we see that our lives are uncertain. When we can think in this way, we can contemplate in this way, then we give rise to inner joy, inner happiness. And this is a cause for samadhi to arise within us. And so we should direct our minds towards this, and you know, have um, our mindfulness there on the things that we've given away. And it's a suitable object for people who have faith, who are naturally uh, people endowed with faith, along with the recollection of the Buddha, the recollection of the Dhamma, and the recollection of the Sangha. So with these recollections, we can first recollect the qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And then after we've done that, we can shorten it down to just the words of Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. And then after that, we can shorten even further to just Buddha. If our mind is moving around very quickly, it's thinking about lots of things, then we can repeat butto, butto, butto fast within our minds, not giving any space uh, within the minds for thoughts to arise. When our minds become still, when they become peaceful, then we can see that the objects of the mind and the mind itself, they're two different things. But if the mind isn't still, then if there are any thoughts, uh, then we see those thoughts as being ours. And, we, and the thoughts and the mind, it's like they're the same thing at that time. But if there's peace, we can separate these things out. And we can see that the, the thought and the mind, they're two different things. The thought is just something that arises within the mind, stays for a while, and then ceases. When we see this, we're seeing into the conventions of these things. When we see into the convention of things with a still mind, and that's when we'll see liberation, dimuti. And so like the things we like, the things that give a rise to to delight within us, to, to liking. We can tell ourselves that they're not sure. And we can tell ourselves that we'll be able to abandon them and abandon the clinging uh, that would normally arise within us. 
and see that there really isn't any self, there really isn't any other. We can contemplate that the feelings that we've had in the past, where are they now? They're not here, are they? The things that we felt, the moods, the emotions, the, um, the mental objects that we had 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, where are they now? When we're a child, you know, the things that we felt when we were a child, they're not here, are they? Even the things we felt yesterday, they're not here. So we can see that there's no self to them at all. There's no permanent self in them. So everything arises from a cause. And when that cause is finished, then that thing itself finishes. When we see things in this way, this is what we call wisdom. But this wisdom it depends upon a heart that's still, a mind that's still. And this will give rise to, to wisdom within us, which will in turn give rise to a sense of happiness and joy. And so the Buddha, he understood these things, the things I've just mentioned. And so he, he came to teach that all dharmas, all things arise from the cause. He was enlightened to this. I mean, he became enlightened. Then he spread this teaching. And this teaching has come all the way down to us here. In this life of ours, we've been fortunate enough to meet the Dharma of the Buddha. So having this good fortune, this good opportunity, we should all be determined. Determined that in this life we will understand the Dhamma, we will know the Dhamma. That we will come to know for ourselves what it's like to see the Dhamma. What that feels like. We'll come to know that for ourselves, we should be determined in that. All of the studying that we've done in the past, we just put it down. Put that down and um, try to be mindful as much as you can. Even if there are any small amounts of um, samadhi that are arising within us, we should still put in as much effort as we can and keep doing that without stop. Numpo Cha taught us. He said that someone who... Even if their minds is kind of chaotic, if there's a lot of things going on, if they put an effort without stopping, they'll still get there all the same. When Lumpur Cha said this in his Dharma talk, it was like he was talking straight to me. It was like he was talking straight to my heart. Because my mind was like that. It was just full of, full of doubts, full of thoughts. It was all over the place. So when you talk like this, it went straight to my heart. Sometimes it's necessary to torture our hearts. For example, to, to meet with the things that we're really afraid of. And this fear turns into a teacher which forces our mind to stop thinking, which forces our mind into peace, which will, arise, which will allow for wisdom to arise and for us to see that there's, there's really no self. All the hate, the greed, the delusion that we've felt, that we've experienced and attached to and taken as a self, we'll see that there's no self there. So we really have to try and put effort into seeing this for ourselves. With our next life, if we're lucky, we might uh, be born in the, in the Deva realm. And then the life after that, we might come back to, to the human world and meet with the teachings of the Buddha as well. So this is possible, but still, we shouldn't be heedless. Because we can see that just in one day, our mind can go to all different kinds of things. They can think about many, many different things all over the place. It can be dragged around um, the entire day. 
And so we should try and um, counter this by practicing chanting every single day, sitting in meditation every day. And then we, when we come out of uh, meditation, when we're not chanting, we should try and keep um, that mindfulness there with us, so as not to get lost and, and um, caught up in all the things of the world. We should try and constantly pull our mind back when it goes off. And this is the work of a prat. And this word prat in Thai, it uh, normally is translated as monk, but the broader meaning of the word is something that is braser, uh, which is um, something venerated, maybe, is a good word. So some, something that's, that's venerated is the, the broader meaning of the word prat. And so lay people, they can be prat as well. They can be something that's, that's worthy of veneration. Because the, the true monk that arises in the heart. You can't ordain a true monk. Because you can't, that, that act of ordaining someone, it can't make someone see the truth. And so to truly ordain as a monk, one needs to practice. But if one ordains as a monk, just in the, the ways of convention. You know, they, they go through the ordination ceremony, but they don't try and give up and abandon the greed, hatred, and delusion within them. Then this, this is something that's, that's quite bad because they're not using the opportunity that's given to them. And so for all of us, we should try and, and look into this and try and see the conventions of things. See things in terms of anicca, impermanence, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, and anatta, not self. And see that there's really no name to anything in the world. If you can see this, truly, then this is when vimuti, or our liberation, will arise. And so we can see this um, in our body, we can contemplate the body, and see that when it's sick, that's just samuti, that's just convention. Because the body doesn't know that it's sick. You know, the body itself, it doesn't know it's sick. We say that it has all these different illnesses. We have different names for the different sicknesses of the body. But the body itself doesn't know what illness it has. It's just going along, following, the na following its nature. If we can see just this clearly, then that's enough for us to see the Dhamma. Having seen the Dhamma, then we'll have strong faith in the Buddha, that he was enlightened. And this, this faith in the enlightenment of the Buddha, it will give us a strong um, and stable faith in the teachings of the Buddha as well, and in the Noble Sangha. And so all of us should be really determined. We should all be determined that we are going to offer this life as, uh, as Bhattibhad Puja, as a, a devotion uh, through the practice. So entire life that we'll, we'll devote us um, to the practice. And doing this, then our faith will increase as well. And so one of the methods of the practice is um, for wisdom to give rise to, to stillness, to stillness of the heart. And this is a correct way of practicing. So like before, if we were chanting, but we weren't really becoming peaceful through that, then we can just sit still and watch our breaths. Or we can contemplate on the, the qualities of the Buddha. We can contemplate his compassion, that he had compassion that was limitless, was boundless for all beings. 
doing this sort of give rise to an inner happiness. So we can think in this way, we can use our thoughts to think about the qualities of the Buddha, giving rise to a happiness within us. But if we just chant, then maybe that doesn't give, give rise to that happiness, because we're chanting in Bali, which is a language that most of us don't understand. So the meaning, for some people, it won't go in deep. Having contemplated the qualities of the Buddha and having this happiness there within us, we then come to sit in meditation, bring the mind to stillness. And this is the, the this is samatha, the practice of calming the mind. But samatha itself, just a calm mind, it isn't able to destroy the kilesas. So therefore we have to come back to the wisdom side of the practice. So we can contemplate things, contemplate things like death. One of the benefits of contemplating death is that we can see that the body isn't a self. But if we do this on the level of just memory or just using thoughts, you know, we're just giving rise to the, the memory that, this, that we're going to have to die, then this isn't yet true wisdom. But when we contemplate deeply within our minds, then we can see that the body is just the elements come together. There's no self in there at all. And so a still mind is what is able to give rise to wisdom. At the beginning, maybe we sit in meditation and we can make our minds still. But then when we come out of meditation, we have to speak to people, we have to do things, then that stillness of mind, the happiness that we had within us, it disappears. And this is one kind of suffering. Gaining samadhi, it's something that's difficult to do. But maintaining samadhi is something that's even more difficult. But when we carry on trying to do this, and we're able to maintain it, um, well, if, if we carry on trying doing it, then we will become experienced and we, we will be able to do it eventually. But there's still dangers in this side of the practice, because when a mind has that fullness of samadhi, then we, be, then we can become overconfident. We can become too confident in ourselves, because our minds are so firm, so stable. And so I felt this as well, that I thought when my samadhi became very full, that all I, was, all I had to do was just contemplate the mind and I'd be able to become enlightened through doing that. But it takes a krubhajan to, to pull us back, or to pull us up rather, and to tell us to, to come back to the body and to have mindfulness over the body, to contemplate the body. Even though when Lumpur Chant said this to me, you know, it, it aggravated my mind, it went against what I wanted to hear. But still, I had faith in him, so I followed what he, he told me. And I saw that, that it really was like that, that you, know, you really do need to contemplate the body. So Lumpur Chah said this, he said to, to look at the body and see it as just being elements, seeing it as just something that's empty. And when we do this, uh, then this will give rise to Gotara Bhujana or Gotara Bhujita. Do you guys know the translation for this? I can't remember. But it's, it's like the state where someone is kind of... Like one of the analogies is like having one foot on either side. So it's like the mind that kind of like sees Nibbana, but it doesn't yet have enough to be able to, to go over to the other side completely, so it kind of gets pulled back. And then it kind of goes over and then it comes back and it's like in, in that state. <laughs> what we see in that state, it'll be clear, but it won't yet be full, it won't yet be 
all around. And so we have to come back. We have to come back to developing our perfections, developing our paramis, increasing them. Eventually we'll be able to see into samuti, into conventions, which will give rise to liberation, give rise to freedom within us. We'll be able to get rid of sakaya ditti, self-view, achikicca, um, skeptical doubts, and siddhapata baramasa, attachment to rites and practices. And this is all something that we can do, we're able to do this. But it's something that we have to do a little at a time. We have to reach Nibbāna a little bit at a time. And it's not necessary to be a monk to be able to do this. Lay people are able to do it as well. We just need to question things all the time. When a thought comes up, we can question, who is that thought? Who's the one that's thinking it? This body, who is the body? Who owns it? When the body gets old, who is it that gets old? Are we able to slow the process down? When we ask these things of ourselves, then we can see that there's no self there. We can see that the breath, it just follows nature. And then when the body doesn't have any breath, then the body dies. And if we're able to understand just this, it's enough to, for us to be able to understand the Dhamma. Enough for true wisdom to arise within us. At the beginning we have to depend on our Satchabharami, our perfection of truth. To, to we, we make the determination, we, we make the, the Satcha, you know, we, we, we try and keep that, that determination to meditate, to chant, to keep our Kamatana theme with us all the time. If we can do this, then we'll slowly abandon evil. If we do it every day without stopping, then one day samadhi will have to arise for us. Our bodies will be very calm, our minds will be very calm. We won't have to force ourselves to meditate, we won't have to force ourselves to chant, but it'll just happen by itself. So some, some of the monks, they use uh, chanting as their kamatana, as their main object of meditation. And they don't have to force themselves to do this. They go to the morning meetings every day. They go to the evening meetings every day. They don't miss any of them. And doing this, then samadhi becomes very full in their hearts. And then when they go back to, to meditate, then they just increase that samadhi even more. If you can live like this, doing this every day, then wisdom will have to arise. And with this wisdom arising, it will give even more strength to our faith. And so we can see that really in the beginning we have to depend on our Satchabharami, our perfection of truth. When the mind is peaceful, then it won't be bored of these things. It won't be bored of this life. It won't be bored of uh, the, the monastic life or of meditation. But it's normal, natural, that at the beginning the mind will get fed up with these things. There'll be times when there are a lot of moods and emotions in the mind. But at those times, we should just try to know, to know those emotions, to, to know what they are and to see them as they come up. And we have to meet with these things. We have to meet with all the different emotions within us. But when these things come up, and when we're feeling fed up and out of energy, then we need, that's when we need to depend on our satcha, on our truthfulness. We need to depend on our um, akanti, our endurance, to, to keep on going, to keep going until we see the Dhamma. So we should put down the books and put down the theory and practice a lot because it's what practicing is what's going to give rise to, to seeing the Dhamma for us. And if we do practice, 
sincerely, then we'll have to see the Dao for sure. So if we use the recollection of the Buddha, the recollection of the Dhamma, the Sangha, as uh, the object of our mind, or the recollection of the things that you've given away, these are the things that will allow joy to arise. We can think and contemplate about the teachings of the Buddha, developing our faith, making it stronger. And sometimes the heart becomes full. It's like when we listen to the Dhamma, Sometimes the mind can become very full and very happy when listening to the Dhamma. And it's like me when I was a, um, a younger monk. When I listened to Lumpur Chai give Dhamma talks, uh, there was a lot of joy and happiness that arose within me. But then slowly, through time, you know, as, as the days passed, then the hindrances would come back. And my mind would slowly get darker, slowly get gloomier. And the hindrances would slowly overtake my mind. So we can see that listening to the Dharma it helps to clean out our hearts and it helps to make them clean, bright. For the people who stay at home, it's easy to listen to the Dharma these days because we have different types of technology. We can have Dharma talks on CDs. And listening to these Dharma talks at our home, there's something that will help us to develop our barami, to develop our perfections. So at home you can spend 30 minutes a day listening to the Dhamma, and then after that sit meditation for another 30 minutes. Or if you have time, you can come to the monastery, stay at the monastery for two days, three days, four days at a time. If we carry on practicing like this, then someday we'll have to feel the, um, the joy of the practice arise for us. We won't be bored of meditation. We won't have to force ourselves to meditate. We'll be happy to meditate. And these things will just happen by themselves. We won't have to force them. If we practice without stopping, then things will just have to be this way. That's what they'll be like. So all of you, be determined. <laughs>